What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. Sometimes, stories are just plain inspirational. Need a little dose of that today? If so, you're in the right place. We've got Robin Osborne on the program. If you don't know Robin, no worries. We're going to get up close and personal with this executive and career life coach. Robin was diagnosed with a baseball-sized tumor in her brain, and she's leveraged the lessons learned in emergency care and recovery to build what she calls the Frustration to Freedom Framework. We're going to unpack some head trash, get unstuck, form a miracle mindset, and learn what it means to be an adversity warrior. This conversation was fantastic, and I think you're going to dig it. So buckle up, TC beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Robin Osborne on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender, where we gather some of the best HR and people leaders to discuss what's happening on the people side of business. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. It's Wednesday. It's your favorite day and mine. It's Corporate Bartender Day. It is the 31st of May, 2023. And it is the 169th time that we have convened this group of awesome folks. Today's going to be a fun day. We'll go through our welcome stuff. I will ask everybody to buy the book and write a review because I do that every single time that more eggs here. I mean, every single time, always. Um, I actually don't have a news item for you today. We're going to jump straight into our conversation with Robin Osborne. We're going to be talking about concepts like the miracle mindset, what it means to be an adversity warrior, how to deal with your inner roommate. Anybody have an inner roommate that lives in here? Yeah. Is that dude always cool? Nah, not at all. Mine's not necessarily a dude, but I think it's a whole family <laughs> and their cousins. <laughs> Chuck, I agree with you. My inner roommate is also a poor decision maker. <laughs> and sometimes the decisions that he makes, I suffer the consequences for. So Robin's going to help us get out of those sorts of turmoils. And we're going to learn how to live life on our terms. So before we get to that, though, for those of you that are listening... I'm going to keep asking because I am a pain in the ass. If you have not acquired your copy of You, Me, We, Why We All Need a Friend at Work and How to Show Up as One, they are available at fine booksellers everywhere. And if you have acquired your copy, look at that. Books of plenty. If you have Middle acquired winning your copy. Book. Oh, yes. The award winning <laughs> You, Me, We. The Axiom Award winning, along with Chuck Pasaglia and his book. Um, if you haven't written a review, please do so. We are creeping ever so close to the number 100, which apparently on Amazon, magic things happen when you get over 100 reviews. The algorithm does different stuff. And I'm at this point just curious to see what happens because I don't know. And we've been talking about it for about eight months now. So get us to 100. I will... Uh, I will uh, send you a, a link to something fun. I don't know. We have the audiobook version dropping on June 13th that we are super excited about. Um, was recorded right here in this studio. So it's the three of us doing the read. There is no pretentious 
voice talent that shall be reading it. It'll be all three of us. So if you're not so much a reader and more of a listener, that'll be available two weeks from yesterday. Two weeks from yesterday. All right. We've got some guests upcoming. Um, We've got Barbie Brewer. She is the author of Lead and Let Live. She's going to be here on the 5th of July. So when you're coming out of that 4th of July hangover, we're going to have a nice conversation for you to snooze to. After that, we've got Andrew Bartlow on the 18th. He is a consultant who has, he's a life or HR person like many of us. And his focus is on elevating HR. And then on July 19th, we've got Alan Hunkins rescheduled again, the author of Cracking the Leadership Code. Pretty excited. I'm actually going to be doing a masterclass with Alan this week on Friday in his, uh, one of his programs. So super excited about that. Guests of plenty more in the pipeline, more to share as they come online. All right. Well, today's conversation is with the person you don't recognize here in your Brady Bunch view. Her name is Robin Osborne, and she's an executive coach and business consultant who was recently given a second chance at life. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, the, 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 the story that she was going to share, the challenges that she went through, the journey that she took to get here today. And interestingly, the lessons she learned along that way influence how she shows up in her consulting practice. So we're going to talk about that. She's, uh, she, she's got a framework called the Frustration to Freedom Framework. Right. We talked about uh, the adversity warrior concept. She is the forthcoming author of the book Adversity Warrior. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So with that, let's give a warm TCB welcome to the people whisperer, Robin Osborne. (laughs) Hey, Robin. Hey, Eric. So nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. We have been looking forward to this for weeks now. So we always start by asking a little bit about your history, a little bit about your journey, because most of us, unless we are astronauts or firefighters or something, when we were children, did not envision that this is what we would be doing. So if you did long to be an executive coach, uh, awesome. But if you didn't, tell us a little bit about what you wanted to be and how you ended up here today. Love to. I'm going to give you the made-for-TV movie Hallmark version. Excellent. (laughs) So uh, for me, lucky me, I'm a twin. So I call my twin my wingman. And I would say super amazing childhood. Uh, We were very athletic. I always knew I was a leader. So tended to be Mm. more dominant. Always telling my brother, this is what we're doing, that sort of thing. And early, very early entrepreneurial. So my dad always supported and reinforced that. He would say, hey, did you teach him anything at school today? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And he would have me write letters to companies. So I wanted to create the Snapsicle, which was Snapple's juice in a Popsicle, he would have me write letters with suggestions. And so I would say very uh, encouraged in the entrepreneurial journey about, let's see, 
age 21, I was working in the family business. I was going to school as an athlete. I'm a softball player and basketball. So doing both, best okay. of both worlds, applying the book sense with the reality and, and really enjoying that realm. Unfortunately, um, my dad being my hero and my biggest cheerleader, he uh, had suffered depression and ended up taking his life, mm. which was very shocking wow. for our family and huge tragedy. And what I will say with my mom's uh, response is that she pulled us together and said, you can run the company or we're going to sell it. And we were 21. My middle sister was 25. We said we want it. So at the age of 21 in one day, I had 40 employees. Wow. And we are an FAA repair station. So we overhaul aircraft landing gear. We do flap actuators. We, over the years, worked on the main engine on the shuttle. I just love the word flap actuator. That's fun to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I jokingly say when I'm pitching people in coaching, because we've overhauled every missile silo in the country, we do the launch components that throw the trap door open. I say, I really am the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a rim shot for that. (laughs) So... Uh. Through my arduous journey of really being in the trenches, it took five years to really gain the respect of the employee. And we were successful out of the 33 years at the helm. Successful all but one year was the only year that we lost money. I think that was in 2008, but we got stuck. Mm. And I didn't know how to elevate, uh, solve the people issues, really scale to the next level. Well, you, you doubled revenue, didn't you? We did. So I actually went, I read the book Traction by Gina Wickman, called mm-hmm. Gino up and flew out, got trained. I was one of his last uh, workshops or boot camps that he led. Personally. So that, so that, that Snapple letter writing campaign paid off because you that's reached right. out to him. That's right. That's awesome. So the good news is my brother and I were aligned in that process So we came with new mindset, what I would call miracle mindset, right? Always every problem has a solution. So we did double our revenue within 24 months. I fell in in love with the framework process. And over the last nine years, I've customized it because businesses and people are all snowflakes. We're all unique. We have unique challenges. And so for me, what I've taken is what I call being brilliant on the basics is really dumbing the business down, simplifying. Mm -hmm. And also the wisdom with, you know, what I learned from my dad is personal care, personal health, because CEOs, you know, the fallacy is we're driving a nice Porsche or we're making (laughs) money, but the personal internal inner roommate dialogue can be very different. So I'm very passionate about aligning the personal truth with the professional success and, and really helping CEOs to, to create a plan 
I love it. Where was the turn for you from running this business to deciding to become a, a coach and consultant? So for me, 2015, I fell in love with the success. And what I recognized, I'm a disc expert, is that I wasn't in my true, authentic, unique ability in that I love people. I love creating transformation. So at the age of 48, I decided to create a company and I started coaching. So I did both for several years. And here's the truth of that is looking in the mirror every day when you're a leadership coach and really, uh, you know, asking yourself the hard questions. Am I, you know, showing up exactly what I'm sharing and giving guidance, guidance and wisdom. We don't know anything about that here. uh, Robin. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Cheers. I love it. I love it. So you're, you're doing this parallel path and then, then you shifted into doing your own thing. But along that timeline, you had a big health scare. Yeah. Yeah. Not and this, and, and it changed your life, right? It did. So tell us about that. What, what happened? So I was in COVID like everybody else, uh, being on zoom, wearing my PJs on my bottom <laughs> and the blouse, good looking blouse on the top. Business up top, party down below. Yeah, got it. (laughs) So I was low energy. I was frustrated. I assumed I had depression because I was thinking, well, it must be genetic. Um, I just was cussing a lot. And (laughs) we don't know anything about that either, (laughs) do we, Laurel? And uh, my twin actually noticed he was going to talk to me because he noticed I was unhappy. I'm a very positive, uplifting personality. Um, I got a blood clot or what I thought was a blood clot and went to the emergency. They said, yes, it's a blood clot. They sent me home. Next day felt like I was going to die. So I literally told my sister she had come over for lunch, call 911. She called 911, went back in to the ER, had blood clots in both lungs. Oh. So, shoot, right? (laughs) I was going to say, oh, shit. And then I was like, she said she doesn't like, she was cussing too much. And I'm like, I don't want to cuss too much, but I can't hold it in. So, wow. You and I might have real depression, Eric, if cussing (laughs) is a sign. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I, they put me in the hospital. And- No COVID, just totally random. I had blood clots. When they were discharging me, I told the nurse, I'm a very confident woman. I don't feel confident. You're discharging me too early. She said, you're fine. You're good. Follow up. That's twice they sent you home. Correct. Jeez. So now um, just did what anyone would do. I uh, went home and... In between the the uh, time that I, before I got diagnosed with the blood clot, I had driven to the river by myself. And I had told my sister, I, being that this is the car- corporate bartender, when I got there, I said, I kind of feel like a drunk driver. Because I was like really loose, loosey-goosey on the road with behind the wheel. So here's the bottom line. I really felt horrible about a day and a half after getting out of the hospital. Um, My husband was at work, asked a friend to drop me off. 
looked at the doctor square in the eye in the ER and I said, look, I'm a strong woman. You're missing something. Scan my head. There's something seriously wrong. Baseball sized brain tumor in my brain. Whoa. And I mean, baseball, that's, I mean, that's like a fist, right? That is, that is, there's not a lot of room in your head. No. For something that big. And in, in, it was interesting. I mean, my husband and I were very scared. We were, um, the neurosurgeon came in and said, look, this is huge. We need to go in immediately because it'll take your life in a couple days. The pressure was really bad. A carotid artery straddled it. Oh, so if he hit the artery, not going to make it. It straddled the optic nerve. And Oof. so I had to say goodbye to my kids, my husband, everyone in my family. Um, what I learned in a very short time was that I don't have, I have very high quality relationship and that I felt very whole. Mm-hmm. in in just good standing with everyone i also relied on my faith and i've always known the word surrender but i fully surrendered all out and i told my husband look we don't have control here and i'm going to trust god and so the big thing the big big telling question was is am i going to be able to speak mm-hmm. so they went through the speech center to remove the tumor. And the doctor said, you may not speak when you wake up or you may never speak again. Just know you may be able to be have therapy. So the blessing in the journey is five hour surgery. And I woke up speaking and they haven't been able to shut me up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. And, and, and in such a quick turn, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's a, it's as parallel to the journey with your family business. You know, it was thrust upon you in a day. And this, this situation, I mean, granted you went to the hospital twice before and they blew it, but it happened over the course of just a couple of days. You went from being normal, happy go lucky Robin Osborne to, Oh no, this is a thing. And so you found yourself, obviously in emergency care, which is a whole thing. And then you had a recovery journey to take. And in the pre-show, we were talking a little bit about how that helped you flesh out this, this idea of the miracle mindset and how the, the tools that you learned on your journey are the same tools that you use in your coaching practice. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. And what I would, what I want to share that's funny that I I just want to, because this is a very lighthearted show. When I was able to speak, when I woke up, the ICU nurse told my husband, you need to tell her to chill out because she's trying to take control of the ICU. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was trying to tell them how to do their jobs. (laughs) Well, Robin, to be fair, you did tell the doctor, scan my head. There's something (laughs) wrong here. (laughs) But the other thing was I played a joke on my twin. And when I called him from the ICU, I started speaking Japanese to him because I wanted him to think I was a prodigy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're Uh, evil. Yeah, that's mean, Robin. That's pretty mean. (laughs) I I do appreciate that, though. (laughs) Never miss an opportunity for a good joke. (laughs) That's right. So here's the learning for me in that the... 
I would say first and foremost, support. So the love that um and support that I received from my family was like dying and and receiving all of it and then getting to come back. The other thing was 24-7 care. I couldn't, mm-hmm. it took a long time to really get my mobility back. So you know, my sisters, my twin, my kids, everyone pitched in, they worked in shifts. So that in itself is just incredible to receive that type of support. And again, it reminds me of my family business because it was always a we, not a me. Mm -hmm. It was always about a purpose greater than ourselves. The same with my recovery process, they were all in. The other thing, when I think back on it, my husband is an alternative care, holistic, world-class doctor. He honestly was the white knight in shining armor because he made sure and got more than one um, referral or whatever you call that. He made sure that we had the best of the best because when you're not, you know, the the deficit that you're going to suffer if you don't have the right person in the right seat, just like we do in business. It really was a huge uh, team effort. And, and then in the journey was, here's my truth. I couldn't lift my leg, the left side. It was almost as if I had had a stroke, even though I didn't have a stroke. So I was limited in my abilities. And so the weekly execution of what I did with physical therapy, um, chiropractic, I did um, all kinds of different modalities to help me become full, complete, whole self. Um, It took me one year to walk one mile. Wow. So the tenacity, what I would say is what I am passionate about and what I have lived, not only personally, but in my own company is I first and foremost aligned in my values, the inner roommate that I talked about, that's head trash that can get in your own way. So here's my values. It's off of Four Agreements, the book, Don Miguel Ruiz. Love it. Always do your best. Don't make assumptions. Don't take it personal. And uh, be impeccable with your word. So I was in a lot of chronic pain for about nine months and hard to talk about. But here's the truth. Be impeccable with your word. You have an appointment and you're going to show up in your best for that day, no matter what. That's living the values. I never missed a physical therapy. And the the amazing truth in business and corporate America is the no matter what part is really looking in the mirror, asking yourself, not pointing the finger at someone else. Pointing the thumb. That's, so that's what I would say the miracle mindset is, is really start with you and own it, find out what are your values that really help you to um, empower you 
And, and to me, I hit three miles about, I would say the last nine months I hit three miles. I personal training. I started out in January. I could do maybe 20 minutes. Now I'm up to 50 minutes and I go four times a week. Nice. So I'm bring it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and here's what I also have realized businesses are just like the human body. Mm. So interesting. Say more about that. We, you know, even people are familiar with the oxygen levels during COVID needed to be 90 or higher, Mm -hmm. right? Blood pressure, heart rate, all of these measurement systems, what I call in businesses are the killer KPIs. So (laughs) we have to have a certain amount of revenue in that pipeline. We need to have the right revenue concentration. If we have more than over 20% one customer, we're going to be at risk. So when you start really looking and breaking the business down into what is healthy, because here's the other part, as humans, we live in denial. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, Robin. I mean, everything you're saying is resonating for me. Um, this concept, you know, you talked about head trash earlier and you said it starts with you. When we're high powered executives in big complex organizations, it's, it's hard to turn the light inward and put it on us because we've got employees and responsibilities and a lot of work to do. And everybody is super busy, which is another piece of head trash and denial, right? Like we're not facing the issue. How do you get people to unpack that mm-hmm. and make it okay for them to turn the light in and focus on themselves? Yeah. A couple of things. I would say, first of all, busy is an excuse. Busy is poor delegation. So well, you I'm don't, not- you don't, you don't mix any punches, do you? You just cut right <laughs> to it. <laughs> And here's my other question that I love when I talk about really true delegation. Why are you doing something you suck at? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, because Robin, if I (laughs) took the time to teach you how to do it, I can just do it faster myself. (laughs) So this is something that happened just in the last month. I went to lunch with a very successful entrepreneur, multi-business I said, on your best day, what on an hourly basis, what is your value? He said, 5,000 bucks of value uh, an hour. I said, great. And I said, how many hours a week are you doing your paperwork? He said, five. I said, so you pay someone $25 an hour to let go of your five hours of work. Your $25,000 a week burden. (laughs) That's how much that ends up being a million dollars. Oof. Yeah. I'd say you can afford an employee at that point in time to do that work. When you stop in what I call hit power of the pause, because the other thing is, is when you really do the, like CEOs, you get the attention when you say, Hey, 
do you want to spend an hour with me and I can save you a million dollars in revenue? Okay. Got my attention. Okay. The other thing is we need to stop being fighter fighters, firefighters and start being smoke detectors. Mm -hmm. So we talk about, we we talk about that a lot uh, in, in some of the workshops that we do. Um, Both Morag and I worked for a, a, a technology company back in the day and the culture inside that organization celebrated firefighting. Wow. And it, ce- it celebrated it to such a degree. There was a campaign once uh, upon a time where there were posters all over the buildings that had, you know, it was like the, the picture was like someone's neck to their sort of mid chest. And it was like a dress shirt that they were unbuttoning when you could see the superhero logo. Right. We gave awards to people for brandishing that superhero ness. And it got so bad, it created what we called arsonist firefighters. Mm-hmm. They would set shit on fire just so they could fix it and be praised and rewarded for it. So what does it mean to become a smoke detector in, in Robin Osborne's purview? So the smoke detector is really like, how are we going to win the week? It's all about preparation. It's all about planning. And here's the thing walking through the resistance of hard decisions. So how do you, how do you lose 20 pounds? It sucks, but we've got to, we've got to do what we say. And, and really when you dumb it down into action, meaning really separate the truth and the lies, right. Mm -hmm. Is get out of our comfortability and step into uh, focusing one on the goal is this, if you don't track how much you're working out your calories, you're not going to hit it, but even back it up farther than that, you're going to have to meal prep because you're going to cheat. <laughs> yes. So we, True. so then here's the thing. If you don't have time to meal prep, then get an assistant and get help. That's really the, the, you know, whatever's in the way whatever obstacle or barrier excuse stuck. So how do we solve it? Every problem has a solution, but what I find is we, we get stuck in the, it's, it's, you know, we'd rather stay in suffering. Well, it's comfortable. It's like an old sweater. We, we know what it feels like. It's consistent. I don't have to risk anything in my suffering. And as a depression kid, right, that's something that I learned in therapy. Well, I've gone through many therapists. I, I just ghost out on therapy. Like I get to the point where I'm just kind of done and I, I just stop going. And I've only had one therapist that ever like bothered to have the tenacity to follow me up and call me on my bullshit. Like, dude, what are you doing? Um, it's easy to stay in that momentum. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, it, your, your one sheet says to get unstuck, <laughs> you have to come to terms with why we can't change what we tolerate. And that rang a bell for me because it's kind of like busy as an excuse. Right. I have I have mental problems and it's easy for me to just I can just hang it there. Right. Some days I, I want to hang it there because I don't have the juice to do anything else. But I tolerate that. And that comes at a cost. Those, right. Those decisions, whether they're passive or active, it comes at a cost. 
And it takes someone else's perspective to get you to the point where you see that as a rational human being, right? Because I, it's just like other stuff. I, I understand it cognitively. I get it. But the felt experience of just being stuck in my pattern, that there's momentum there. Breaking out of that is hard. Like you said, losing 20 pounds sucks. Breaking out of your patterns sucks. So what's your, what's your secret weapon for helping people break out of their patterns? Couple things. First and foremost, I truly believe it's uncovering, discovering the emotion that we're running mm -hmm. from. So we're either wearing shame, guilt, not good enough. All of that mm. head trash is underneath it. Sometimes it's it's got a mask. We we're we're not aware of it. So coaching will really help peel back the layers of it. And the other thing is this, the inner conflict. So whatever coping skills we developed as a child in that you had a critical mom, then you learn to be <laughs> hyper self-critical of yourself. You come home from the spelling test. You didn't do well on your grandma says you're stupid. Then you take that and run with it. And then you're not smart enough and you magnify it, right? So that's where I say we got to separate the truth and the lies because a lot of the coping mechanisms aren't serving us any longer. And, and we're limiting ourselves. And what I found through my brain surgery, honestly, was self-love. Wow. And, and what I realized is a lot of my old habits of being critical of myself were just a bunch of BS <laughs> because for me to be able to walk and talk and like my head was very, um, I'm going to say interesting. It had, <laughs> it was, it was shaped, you know, sh I was shaved and it atrophied. So I was looking really, um, like not, a punk rocker. You were good. Yeah. And it, I had an awesome, uh, 31 staples. I mean, it was a, a huge, Oof. a great warrior picture, but to look from the realm of beauty was I would look in the mirror every morning and put my fists up and I would say, you're beautiful. You're talented. You're amazing. Cause I fought for it because yeah. I wasn't going to allow myself to be in my lower self or to Oof. be, be a victim. That's, that's powerful stuff. Uh, Cause you literally fought for it, right? That's the path that you walked. The lessons that you learned are, are so relevant to, to the folks in, in a business context. And it, it almost sounds funny, right? To trivialize it to that level. It's like, Oh, my life's real hard. I'm a successful CEO. Um, you, you fought to be here on earth, right? Um, so I love the fact that that the tools that served you there are useful in a in a business context. Um, you've got a book coming out. You just got a book deal for the Adversity Warrior book. Um, what does it mean to be an adversity warrior? An adversity warrior. We're all adversity warriors. 
And we are all miracles. So the learning that I had is, it's not truly about my story. It's about my message. Mm -hmm. That's why I believe I'm, was given the gift of a second chance. The adversity warrior is having a positive outcome, no matter what, no matter Mm -hmm. what the circumstance. So being an acceptance of, you know, we can't control terrible things. You know, my dad tragically died. I took over the company. So what I call my adversity warrior story is that I could look at it like this. My dad took his life selfishly. I had to run the company. Nobody was helping me. Um, I was all alone. Or the gift in my father's passing was I was given a great ability at a young age to acquire leadership abilities that I'm here to gratefully share with you today and help change your life. So you don't have to go through the arduous journey that I've been in. That's the gift. That's being an adversity warrior. Wow. That's a, you know, it's, it's the, it's, it's the, the call sign for empathy, right? I mean, that's, walking in the, in, in those shoes and, and having been there and having felt those feelings, just listening to you talk, it's, it's a level setter for me, right? It's a perspective about, okay, so things happen. The the universe deals you the cards it deals you. Um, In Discland, I'm a C, so I can be a tad cynical. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I can be a little devil's advocate advocate. I don't know. I have to ask Chuck. He's an advocate. Um, it's hard for me to get into that headspace all the time. Like I don't give positive feedback as a matter of course, not because I don't notice it, not because I don't appreciate it. I'm just not wired that way. I work with Ruby, who's an SI and Ruby gives positive feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. After working with her for so long, I, I wrote this little sticky note. There it is. Oh, so good. Because I need a prompt. If I don't look at this on my Mm -hmm. monitor, I won't acknowledge the thing. I just move on. I tick the box and I move on with my life. Mm -hmm. So getting out of those patterns for me is really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, What advice would you give to the disc C's of the world? Come on, introverts. You hear me Um, (laughs) (laughs) to challenge ourselves to do the things that don't come naturally? So a couple things. I realized in my journey, because I've done a lot of self-development, the lanes, pretend the lanes on the freeway are your neurotransmitters. If you always exit on direct feedback, instead of turning left and going down positive feedback, your brain has a groove in it that you're always exiting on the same off ramp. What you need to do is pause, do something creative, like interrupt it. That's what Tony Robbins does. Mm -hmm. But the post-it note is huge because it's a visual reminder to get out of your habit and begin to create a new one. And then the other thing is, it's not about a have to. It's about a choose to. If we have to do something, it's not going to have a long-term success. You need to really find out what it is at a what I call high-level energy. 
that's a win. So really understanding what your motivational drivers are. So if you're a high economic value driver, then let's make it competitive or, or like at the end of the week, you're going to give three positive feedbacks and then you're going to whatever's really going to fire you up. That's how you're going to remember to create the change. And again, it has to come from within and really, I say it's like a punch in the gut. It's got to mean something. It's got to matter. Yeah. Oh, so good. I, I, I love it. It's, it's got me thinking about a lot of things. Um, when, when, when can we expect this adversity warrior book? I know you're just starting that journey. When, when, when's the targeted pub date? So currently it's going to be published in 2024. I don't have the exact month yet. I do own the domain. So I'm going to give updates on the website, adversitywarrior.com. Awesome. And if anybody would like any 30 minutes of my time to, to be coached, talk about opportunities, I have a calendar link follow up with robin.com. And that is honestly my true, it's fun to be on earth for a second time <laughs> because I I feel on purpose in really exuding joy, sharing the positive energy and helping people to create that in their life. Oh, I love it. I love it. I do want to leave some time here for questions. You know, I say it, I say it every week. We have a guest. I watch Ruby take notes and I, I wait to hear something that happened on the show in a workshop that we do next week. Um, so I know Ruby always has questions, but who else has questions for Robin today? Talking about this concept of adversity warrior, miracle mindset, living life on your terms, unpacking the head trash. We've covered a lot of ground so far today. Who's got questions? <laughs> Ruby's like, I'm waiting. I'm being polite. <laughs> I'm being so good right now. <laughs> Oh, there's so many things. I don't know that I have questions, but so many, um, uh, I just resonate with a lot of what you said. It's a lot of things I think about with coaching my own journey. Um, I'm going through something called warrior school. It's a, it's a very long story. We should probably talk about that. Um, and in, in this version that I'm going through right now, we're thinking about what's your sort of inner quest and journey. What are you experiencing? What are you struggling with? What's the thing that's in front of you and how do you use that and convert it into your sort of outer quest or outer journey and like service to the world in this frame of the same thing you're talking about, right? Everything that happens to us, there's some gift, there's something that comes out of it. Um, if we, we think about it that way, or we put our intention on it. And what's beautiful about that is when we live through these things like you have, right, it gives you, it gives us the, it gives us the, like the depth and there's something really powerful in your vulnerability and sharing your story that translates it to us, right? That outer quest. So uh, that's the frame I'm thinking about what you're talking about today is like your own journey the gifts that you've pulled from it and how it's influencing your, your service and gift to the world. So it inspires me and, and it makes me think about what I'm living through right now and how that translates 
I wanted to make that just direct connection because I, I know that we're all going through something. Yeah. <laughs> all of us right now. Yeah. So thank you. Of course. And I I do what I would say my gift is too is helping shine a light so you see yours because mm-hmm. we can yeah. over overthink it. It's not a thinking thing. It's a yeah. subconscious and a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's also paradox. We're talking a lot about paradox, right? That sometimes when it's actually to live out your greater service to the world, you're not actually trying. It's coming from within and it's it's converting and getting shared outside. Um, so I love that. Okay, I'll stop. Someone else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. R- Ruby says it all the time um, and I've adopted it because I love it. When we we do client work, Ruby always tells them at some point along the journey, you know, our ultimate goal here is to help you make your life lighter in some way, right? Even if it's, we're, we're doing a, you know, a manager essentials, manager one-on-one kind of workshop. We're here to, to help make your life a little bit lighter, a little bit easier, a little bit better. Um, so I love it. Everything you're saying, Robin is, is, is resonating with me. Uh, Lori Freemeyer chatted in cause she's on her, Hopefully she did voice text, Lori, because I bet you're driving at this point in time. (laughs) She said, I love that you, Robin, refuse to be a victim, but a victor. Love that. Absolutely. Love it. And I mean, here's the thing is that in my journey, I, you know, prior to my brain tumor with the, what I had gone through in life with taking over my father's company and um, other main major things that went on, I kind of assume like, hey, I I probably get a free pass now. Right. Yeah. And then you realize like, hey, what I call instead of peaks and valleys is peaks and pre-peaks. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're constantly in the peak and pre-peak process there's no free passes <laughs> and none of us are getting out of here alive <laughs> you know robin i love i love that you've got a title for everything how many i i imagine you own a bunch of trademarks and copyrights right now <laughs> <laughs> well yes i do like i i own headtrash.com <laughs> i have a lot of I, I actually have a lot of entrepreneurial ideas for tools mm-hmm. in apps, that sort of thing. Um, but I'm focusing on, again, simplifying because we can't. That's the other thing is I say, like on a high C in a disc, lower your bar. <laughs> <laughs> Do the 80, not the 120. Yeah. Uh. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. Her name is Robin Osborne. You can find her at robinosborne.com. If you want to get together, follow up with robin.com. The book Adversity Warrior will be out sometime in 2024. And if you get a if you get a hankering, you can go to adversitywarrior.com at some point soon to get updates on that. So thank you so much, Robin, for being here with us today. We are going to do our funny things, our good feel story, and our uh, silly cocktail. You're welcome to stick around if you don't have any place to be. 
Although I will warn you, you know, with the whole cursing thing, it's got me off my game today because normally I curse a fuck ton. So <laughs> the jokes can get a little blue. So I, I'm just forewarning you, not not like dirty blue, but you know, they can be a little, they can be a little edgy. Let's call let's it. Let's just say that our lines do not have real sharp um, angles to them. Yes. They're all, we, yeah. <laughs> we step on them, over them, through them, and we are <laughs> Today's funny thing, number one, is a punny thing here. Uh, boss, how good are you at PowerPoint? Me. <laughs> I excel at it. Boss, was that in a Microsoft Office pun? Me. Word. Word. <laughs> uh, this one made me laugh and I had to stare at it for a long time because once you read it you can't not see it am I high as fuck or does this lady's hair look like a dog wearing sunglasses oh my god oh my gosh <laughs> and, and I thought it was a seal wearing <laughs> yeah uh-huh uh, I think we can all identify with this feeling you busy? Me? No, why? Incoming video call. Jesus H. Christ. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, as HR people, you know what, it, what this is like when somebody sends something they shouldn't have. Just accidentally emailed a porn link to a coworker. So I emailed 10 other coworkers the link and called it a virus. Improvise, <laughs> adapt, <Okay>. overcome. <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> Terrible. They're all getting uh, fired. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for Ruby. I had a cat named Jeff. He was just Jeff. Then we hired a new guy at work. His name was Human Jeff because Jeff was there first. Human Jeff tried to suggest we call Jeff Cat Jeff, but that was obviously ridiculous. <laughs> and the comment is stay in your lane, Human Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite funny thing today yeah. is from elementary school. It's a detention notice. The comment is don't fuck with Raymond. The detention notice reads Raymond threw a lamp at another student and told him to lighten the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, I got to hand it to Raymond because that grace under pressure, when you can deliver a joke under stress, yeah. And while being semi-violent, that's a, that's a skill. That'll, that'll serve him well in, in life later. Today's good feel story is about a grave digger. Finally tonight, CBS's Steve Hartman goes on the road to America's heartland, where the people live up to the name. If there was ever an election in this country for kindest American, the people of Galveston, Indiana, know who they'd nominate. Because I think he's out there to help everybody. That's what he's known for. He just always has been. It's the cloth he's cut from. Just a special guy. Very special guy. So who is this great humanitarian who lifts up the people of Galveston? The same man who puts them down. Meet 89-year-old gravedigger Alan McCloskey. Alan has been at this job since 1952 and refuses to retire because he says a new gravedigger might not square the corners as precisely, might not care as deeply for all those loving souls. Yeah, people that we went to school with and worked with. What was your hardest one? My wife. How'd you get through that? 
I figured she'd want me to do it. Alan and Barbara had three kids, but his definition of family extends well beyond blood, which may explain why a good chunk of the town gathered recently for what Alan thought was someone else's birthday party, but was really a celebration of him. At the party, he got an official Guinness World Record for longest career as a gravedigger, 70 years and counting. But more importantly, he was recognized for the thousands of odd jobs he's done for people. It's his side hustle, but with a twist. We'd ask Alan for a bill, and he wouldn't give us a bill. Never get a bill. Uh, you know, I'll send you a bill. He said, I'll just catch up with you later. And then later never came. You, you never hear you never hear anything more about it. It was the running joke at his party. Anybody in here still waiting on him to send you a bill for work this year? I did ask Alan about this. They say they can't get a bill from you. Oh, but all I got was a hearty laugh. Alan McCloskey, unassuming by profession and persona, but also a bold beacon for anyone in search of meaning. Alan has figured out what life is about. It's not the money that makes him happy. I truly believe Alan has figured out where enough is at. He's found enough. And strange thing about finding enough, you often end up with more than enough. Steve Hartman on the road in Galveston, Indiana. Oh, Steve Hartman, I say it every week. Man, hits you right in the feels every time. I love it so much. Today's semi-quarantine cocktail is called Cheese Race. This is all true. All true. (laughs) It's, It's a riff. On the Veltini, which I was a little disheartened to learn to exist. But, you know, when I put these together, I usually find the funny news item first. And the funny news item was the cheese race. So then I had to find a cheese-oriented cocktail. And turns out Velveeta has made one. You need two ounces of Velveeta-infused vodka, which apparently is a thing. One... One seven-pound cheese wheel that Britons have been chasing down a hill since 1826. So <laughs> cheese rolling is expected to be much older. You're going to need an ounce of olive brine. One 200-yard hill. And say it for me, Morag, the name of this town? Gloucester. Gloucester. An ounce of vermouth, one unconscious Canadian. The woman who won the race hit her head, got knocked out, rolled down the hill unconscious, and got to keep the cheese. (laughs) You'll need some cheese drip and a skewer of Velveeta-filled olives. (laughs) Makes makes me not want to even have this. One other contestant said, train for this. I don't think you can train for it. It's just being an idiot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Stay cheesy, my friends. Thank you all for being here today. It's been super fun. Thanks to Robin Osborne. It is time to head out and go have some dinner. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Have fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. 
If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender. <laughs>